Red Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Bastards Investigate. Tonight we're going to be talking about the Corey Kluber injury, what it means to the Yankees, how stupid of a GM Brian Cashman is, and then we'll be getting into a controversial incident that happened earlier in the week. St. Louis Cardinals reliever Giovanni Gallegos had his hat confiscated basically when he took the mound and it kind of kind of set off a big media reaction so we'll get into our thoughts about that what it could mean going forward and uh, you know maybe some maybe some speculation on, on what could happen or what should happen as, as a result of this so Lots to go over. Doug James back with me per usual tonight. Doug, how are you? I'm doing good, Terry. How are you doing tonight? Not too bad. Just uh, watch the Red Sox playing another monsoon. <laughs> <laughs> At least this one only went six innings with no ridiculous two and a half hour delay or whatever it was the night before, a couple nights ago. It was ridiculous, yeah. by the way. Ottavino was <laughs> on the mound and bases loaded, two outs, and they're you know, trying to get Barnes warmed up. And you see Dave Bush on the phone, and I'm like, who's he asking for, a righty swimmer? You know, because the infield was getting flooded. It was bizarre. You see Matt Barnes up in the sixth inning, and I'm like, I just thought they have to be. There's a reason why he's up in the sixth. They're going to call this. And I saw, you know, obviously, Adovino got out of that with a strikeout. I'm like, oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to see Matt Barnes come in that at that point. That, that's, that was ridiculous. Exactly, yeah. And, uh I think it was like a three-pitch at-bat, too, that last one. Just one, two, three, boom. He might have thrown a ball, but I, I just remember Ottavino being in command and uh, getting that third out. But anyway, let's talk about another ALEs team. Corey Kluber, one game after that no-hitter. Done for potentially the season, but at least eight weeks. They're having a second MRI done just to confer that uh, confirm that there's no actual structural damage to his, his labrum. But this is uh, a serious blow for the Yankees. And... I've questioned their sustainability, whether it's the rotation, whether it's Stanton staying healthy. Luke Voigt, by the way, the very same day goes on the DL with a grade two oblique strain. Going to be several weeks, possibly the season as well. Uh, so with Kluber specifically, what do you think it means for the Yankees rotation? Uh, that's a huge blow to the Yankees rotation because, I mean, the last few starts, Kluber's look great. Uh, he's four and three this year with a 3.04 ERA struck out 55 guys, a whip of 1.2. Uh, he's been really important to that rotation. And now all of a sudden you're looking at Domingo Herman, who's pitched. Okay. You know, Jordan Montgomery, you're looking at the Debbie Garcia coming up now to try and, you know, stabilize that rotation. And I don't know if you look at it there, I think they're in a little bit of trouble right now. Um, I don't think they're going to make a trade anytime soon. To, you know, I mean, I don't think Max Scherzer is even a discussion at this point. 
you know, I think it's that point. At some point, he's going to be discussion for some teams. I don't think the Yankees would be on him. And so now you got to rely on these, you know, guys that are three, four, five stars. Tyon's been terrible for the Yankees this year. You got to rely on him now to become, you know, a little bit more of a, you know, a horse in that rotation, which he hasn't proven he could be that. And so this is a, it's a pretty significant blow to the Yankees, especially if he's going to be out as long as we think he is, because with Kluber, you don't know the injury pass. It's a concern. Uh, like you said, one month with doing nothing, two months, you know, maybe two months. I don't think it's going to be two months. I, th- I think it's going to be longer. And yeah, it's going to be tough for the Yankees to, you know, hang in this race with three other really, really good teams. And it's going to be tough for them. Yeah, and I mean, even if Kluber, best case scenario, does come back after eight weeks, that would put you at what, late July, early August? Who's to say he doesn't go back on after a couple more starts? It was just a complete fantasy for a general manager like Brian Cashman to believe that he could be the number two behind Garrett Cole after pitching only one inning last year. One inning is all that he pitched in 2020 with the Texas Rangers. And he was shut down because of a, not sure I'm pronouncing this right, a tears major muscle uh, tear. It was a grade two tear. And... With the shortened season, he didn't have a chance to come back. But you look at the current injury, which is called a subscapular strain, which is different. His mechanics, his shoulder just can't handle his mechanics at, at this point, is, is I think what it comes down to. And it was a dumb move. It was a dumb move. I thought Garrett Richards was dumb for the Red Sox because he didn't have a lot of innings in the last several years. He got demoted last season after one month to the Padres bullpen. That's working out, and I'm not too worried about him at this point, but there were better signings the Yankees could have made for around $10 million or less. Um Taiwan Walker is, is someone I was interested in uh, for the Same. Red Sox. Yeah, but there there were less riskier moves out there that they could have made, and they didn't. And we're talking about Jamison Tyon, ERA just over five. Jordan Montgomery's ERA a little over four. He's had an up-and-down season. He's a serviceable probably number four, assuming he's got three solid guys in front of him. That's not the case. This this Yankees rotation, this is a third or fourth place team, I think, in the AL East by the end of the year. Yeah, I would agree with you. Uh, the way Tampa Bay plays, obviously, they just refuse to lose anymore. They they might not lose another game all year. Uh, Toronto's pitching staff is concerning, but so yeah, obviously, like I said, the Yankees is too. So, you know, if those two pitching staffs are kind of down for the count you're looking at a possible two-team race with the red Sox and rays and uh a couple days ago i mean obviously before this injury you didn't see that like you thought the yankees could be a you know a formidable formidable opponent and right now without kluber 
And with a potential, like you said, with Herman and Montgomery and Tyon, that's not exactly what you'd call stellar. And they're going to have to do something. Severino might be back by July. I don't know. You trust Severino, though, now, too. Like, you're going to have injury concerns with Severino if he comes back. Well, he will be back. But, like, by the time he comes back, if Kluber comes back, you got to worry about that. So, if you're New York, what do you do? Uh, you know, Garcia, we mentioned him. Neither one of us are big Garcia fans. Um, are they going to make a move at the deadline? Their luxury tax situation is kind of similar to ours. Do they want to do that? It doesn't seem like their ownership wants to do that at this point. They may not have a choice because, you know, you can't trust Kluber when he comes back. Severino, he won't be 100%. And so it's going to be rough sailing for the Yankees down the road. Yeah, Severino will also have inconsistency issues on the mound. He can look good one start, get knocked around another. So there's a lot of question marks in regards to Severino. And you're right about the luxury tax situation. They are in a similar spot. I mean, that's why we got Adam Adovino for free, basically. And he's been phenomenal for the Red Sox for the month of May, by the way. (laughs) Very quietly put together a good month and can't really blame tonight on him for getting the bases loaded with with all that rain and having uh, all those issues gripping the baseball. But, um, but... The fact that we got him and just basically had to pick up his contract just shows you how how desperate the Yankees were to try to shed salary to to add to their rotation. And it's just a constant theme with, with Brian Cashman. Bringing in injury-prone players with no backup plan and then fundamentally not understanding how to build a rotation. That is the theme of the past decade, you know, for for Cashman's leadership with the Yankees. And you would think Steinbrenner would look around, see what the Red Sox are doing with Bloom and and what the Dodgers have done with Friedman and and what the um, Braves continue to do with Anthopolis and, and how impressive Anthopolis was in his time in Toronto. And he's got to look at his own guy and think, man, he's pretty dumb. Yeah, it, it just seemed like a Yankee signing. You know, let's get the big name. Let's go after Kluber. And I know there's a lot of Red Sox fans that would have rather had Kluber than Richards. And I'm eating crow on Richards because Richards has been really, really good. Um, I, I'm done bashing him. I'm done. Uh, I feel like the Yankees right now looking back at it like, I really wish we had Garrett Richards instead of Corey Kluber right about now. <laughs> and I mean, right. I mean, at this point, they're probably thinking, wow, <laughs> wish we had him. And um, I'm thankful now that we got Richards. And like, I was kind of kind of on the Kluber. I was like, well, Kluber, you know, but then again, I, I don't want all guys that are always hurt. It, it's just I'm good with that. And so and that was my issue with Richards because, you know, he had the track record, but it wasn't, you know, stuff that he couldn't get over. This is a shoulder. You know, this is tough. And I. I don't know how, even if he comes back, like we said, how good is he going to be? How right. was he going to last one start? Is he going to pitch two, you know, two innings and he's going to be out another three months? You don't know. And so that's, and in terms of starting pitching what's out there, if they do want to make a trade or if they want to go over the luxury tax and all that, who's out there? Like really what's out there? Like Max Scherzer is always a name that they keep bringing up, but I don't think the Nationals are ready to move on from him yet. So what would be out there for the Yankees, even if they wanted to try and, you know, add a, rota- add a guy to the rotation? They're just going to have to target a lower-end guy and hope that 
they can catch lightning in a bottle is eh, or just bite the bullet and go over the luxury tax. I, I guess that's still an option as well. But Aaron Small isn't isn't walking through that door again. So <laughs> no, <laughs> no, and you got to worry. Sustainability was going to be a problem with them, and Judge seems healthy now. But how long is that going to last? When Stanton going to go back on the DL or injured list? He looked terrible tonight, by the way. I don't know if you saw Stanton's at bats, but he was brutal tonight. Was he? Four strikeouts. Yeah, four strikeouts looked terrible at every one of his at bats. It was bad for Stanton tonight. Yeah. I have a feeling Casey Mize is going to be doing that, though, quite a bit. But but nonetheless, it's it's a concern. Strikeouts have been a problem with him in the past. And you got Luke Voigt on the Greg Bird program. So... <laughs> Lots of, <laughs> lots of issues with the Yankees, so we'll just continue to, to watch the meltdown from afar. But You just love to see it, don't you? <laughs> I absolutely do. <laughs> and here's one other thing, just to bash Yankees fans. At the end of the game, I don't know how many tweets I saw that, oh, the extra inning rule is dumb, the runner on second. I mean, I'm not a fan of it either, but... Yankees fans don't want to accept the fact that their GM is stupid and they just got beat. You know what I mean? <laughs> Can we talk about how terrible Aaron Boone was tonight for a second, by the way? Go ahead. I one mean... one game in the one 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 game in the ninth. He brings in Chapman. It's a non-save situation. So he burns through Chapman. Get to the tenth, they're up two to one. Brings in Justin Wilson. So he, at that point you burnt up a roll this Chapman. You burnt up green in the eighth to go to a safe situation for Justin Wilson in the 10th. It's just horrible managing by Boone tonight. And if Yankee fans want to bash the 10th inning rule, bash your manager, because your manager is what lost you the game tonight. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And that's another thing. They could have got rid of him last year and brought in, you know, a fresh voice, fresh set of eyes, and and they didn't do it. And there's no way... Aaron Boone's going to outmanage Kevin Cash. He's not going to outmanage Alex Cora. And this is just the division we're talking about. And the the Orioles, uh, I'm not too familiar with with their manager, but they're going to get more talented, um, you know, with each passing year. Probably be competitive within the next two to three. But he's definitely one of the worst uh, managers in the division. So he's one of the worst managers in the entire in, in the entire league. And I'm talking about the American League. If you go through power rankings of the managers in the American League, I don't know where you put Boone, but he's not in the top five or six, and that's for sure. Yeah, and he had a weird quote at the end of the game. I should have saved it. Um, Something about all we have to do is care, and it was just dumb. The New York Post had it, but um, <laughs> he's, yeah, it's only going to get, it's only going to get worse from here, so. Uh, getting into the other controversy, so this is kind of a loaded topic, and there's a lot going on right now in baseball. You, you know, the strikeouts are up. They want to tinker with the mound, and there, there's cheating left and, and right, and a lot of it seems to be not really getting dealt with you know, since the Astros scandal. So basically this is what happened earlier in the week. The Cardinals were playing the White Sox in Chicago. 
In the seventh inning, Giovanni Gallegos, excuse me, Giovanni Gallegos comes into the game. He's one of their better higher leverage relievers. And immediately upon taking the mound, the second base umpire walks over to Joe West, says something to him. Both Bellino and West approach the mound and they ask what type of substance, I guess, was on Gallegos' hat. As this is going on, Mike Schultz, the Cardinals manager, storms out. And Joe West wanted Gallegos to replace his ball cap before he threw a pitch. And this was important because if the hat was replaced before a pitch was thrown, West wouldn't have to throw out Gallegos. If a, had a pitch already been thrown, then it was a violation. He was using an unknown substance on his hat, and he would have had to have been thrown from the game. So West kind of, in a way, did the Cardinals a favor by being proactive about it. Schilt couldn't really be reasoned with, and I'm not sure. In, in Mike Schilt's defense, I don't know if he had enough time to really process what was going on. And he got tossed from the game. Gallegos had his hat replaced. The initial hat he was wearing was confiscated. Dan Bellino handed it to, I guess, the bat boy of uh, on the Chicago side, who was then going to give it to an MLB official. So, And then Gallegos went on to actually pitch very well. He pitched one and two-thirds innings, got three strikeouts. Uh, two of the strikeout victims were Jose Abreu and Yermin Mercedes, arguably their two best hitters, other than maybe Tim Anderson, actually. But but so then Schilt, after the game, was talking about how there's a big problem in MLB. They're not policing it the right way. So w- what were your thoughts on the on the controversy? So I was actually watching the game live when it happened. Uh, I just happened to have it on. And I was it was kind of like background because I was doing some stuff. And I just turned around. All of a sudden, I see, you know, Wes coming out, Bellino, and then the hat coming off. And I was confused. I was like, what's going on? And then you look at the hat, and there's some something on his brim. Apparently, they were saying it was rosin and sunscreen, whatever. Uh, like you said, uh, Schultz, or Schultz said that. I believe he said, why don't you start with the guys that are cheating with same stuff that's really impacting the game? Uh, I guess it didn't really impact the game too much considering he went on to mow everyone down after he took the hat off. But every it's it's just a it's a league-wide problem at this point. Uh, I, I don't know why Gallegos was the one that was targeted. You see it all the time. You, you see stuff on everyone's hats, and you don't see everyone coming out all the time to do this. And it kind of felt like he was being targeted a little bit. And my first thought was, oh, good, another La Russa controversy. That was the first thing I thought of, honestly, was it's the White Sox. It's got to be La Russa, but I guess it had nothing to do with La Russa. Um, I don't even know what the I don't even know what Major League Baseball can do about this. It's just it's just always something with these pitchers. And like we said, too, with strikeouts being that, you know, an all time high and spin rate. And I read somewhere that the spin rate went down after they took the hat off. So I don't know if it was like a, you know, enough sample size to, to do that, but that's what I read. And 
I don't know, the spin rates drives everyone crazy anyway. But yeah, the first thought in my mind was it had to be Larusa doing something and saying saying something. But I guess I said it, it didn't have nothing to do with him. I guess Joe West threw him a little bit of a bone by letting him take off his hat. He got to stay in the game, so you know we all kind of you know hate on Joe West, but that was kind of a you know it was a good thing for him to do because there's no reason to toss him from the game. It wasn't like sever. It wasn't like a Pineda had about four pounds of pine tar in his hat. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't like it wasn't like that. But I don't know. What's your thoughts? I, that was just my first initial thought. Was it had to be something involving the White Sox and Larusa? That was my first thought. I guess what I really want to know is how serious is Major League Baseball about cracking down on this? Because they they sent out that league-wide memo to all 30 teams that balls would be confiscated and they're going to crack down on it. And the second weekend of the season, I think it was April 8th actually, so at the start of the second week, they confiscated some of the balls used by Trevor Bauer and those were taken to a lab and we're coming up on, what, seven weeks here? And there's been no news as to what they may or may not have found. They haven't said, yeah, he was using something illegal, and they haven't really cleared him of any wrongdoing. And when that happened, when a guy like Bauer gets targeted, I mean, he's Rob Manfred's biggest nemesis. And so you can kind of understand why he may be targeted Maybe it was just MLB. Maybe they had no plans, even if they did find something on the ball. They had no plans of of doing anything. It was just like an intimidation thing. Maybe they were sending a message to him, some other guys. I don't know. And it's just, it's going to get to the point where the league has to get more assertive if they plan on actually cracking down on this because right now, I mean, the players are walking all over them. They're, the league hasn't done anything. You hear players say, you know, sticking up for the pitcher sometimes, it's good to have a little bit of grip. That way there's control over the baseballs. That way we're not getting hit by wild pitches and whatnot. But more batters are getting hit right now i've i saw conflicting numbers but the the estimate or the data that i saw the most was 0.49 hitters per game batters per game are getting hit so that's one batter getting hit every two games on average that's a lot and so which way do they really want to have it? You made a good point about Bauer because that ha- I feel like that happened, I don't know, eight months ago, and nothing came out of it. So, and, you know, that's kind of like I, like you said, Manfred's <laughs> arch nemesis at this point. But it just felt a little weird to me. And like, I saw the hat, and you saw the hat, everyone saw the hat. There was like barely anything on it. He didn't even touch this brim. And it was just one of those things is now like baseball is now that we're policing it. We're going to start with the, you know, the middle reliever of the Cardinals. That's your, that's what you're going to start with. Like start with the bigger fish, you know, like we said with Bauer, Garrett Cole, you know, talk about spin rate. Nobody brings up him. So 
I don't know. I just thought it was a little ridiculous personally. I, I don't think there was a whole lot there. And I just, like I said, if they're really going to start policing it, well, then now you start because you already have your target in the reliever from St. Louis. Now you're going to start now. Don't, don't end with him. You know, you see something on the cap. You got to keep being consistent. Be just be consistent. You're either going to do it or you're not. You know what I mean? And that's what it has to be. Mike Schultz said after the game, he said it felt kind of like a setup. And you've got other guys that are brazenly doing it right out in the open. And they're not even trying to to not get caught. And, I mean, if there was clear evidence that Garrett Cole was cheating, are the are is Manfred going to go after him? Would he go after the ace in the biggest market? I don't think so. Personally, me, I don't think he will. I don't think he would either, and I think Mike Schilt knows that, and that's why he's got a huge problem with it. I, and I'm just speculating, but that as he should though, right? And how, how about this? Like, could you ever see managers simply taking a stand themselves because? any manager can have any player inspected at any time. If he sees something, you know, on, on a hat or if they think there might be something in a glove, an umpire will go out and inspect it. But there's, there's this unwritten rule where you just don't do it. There was this, I think it was Billy Martin and, and George Steinbrenner were like standing field side, I think before a game and Billy Martin said to George, he goes, hey, you see that pitcher over there on the other team? And George goes, yeah. Billy Martin says, he's cheating. And George Steiner, Steinbrenner says, we'll do something about it. And he goes, Billy Martin says, I, I can't. Our guy's cheating too. <laughs> so it's like if managers took a stand and, and started calling out players, I think that could possibly be a way of policing it, but I think they would also have in the back of their minds, even if the sport seemed like it was finally cleaned up, you're always going to be paranoid and you're always going to be suspicious. So it's, it's so hard. Like I can't see managers taking that stand and it's dangerous right now. So many guys, Corey Seager hit by a pitch out for, a long time, you know, several weeks, let's say. Um, Ronald Acuna has left the game once or twice after being hit by a pitch. Bryce Harper had a scary incident. Kevin where, Pilar. Yeah, and then I was getting to Pilar. That was one of the most grotesque things I've ever seen. So it's it's getting dangerous, and pitchers are throwing harder, and I don't know if that's due to mechanics or substances on the ball. I have no idea, but there's there's a problem right now. The The key word I kept seeing as I was researching this was epidemic. There is an epidemic in Major League Baseball right now. And whatever the league's intentions are, they're, they're half-assing it. And it's just... It's frustrating, and it doesn't seem like there's going to be a resolution anytime soon. No, I don't think so. And like you said, with the managers not wanting to, you know, to dime players out, well, 
you know, if I'm the manager of this team and I'm doing something, well, am I going to be the one that says this guy's doing something over there? Because then all of a sudden Pandora's box get open and I can't cheat anymore. So I'm trying to give myself an advantage, my team an advantage. So I'm not going to go rat on the other team because then it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's just never going to end. I feel like you're going to keep seeing this. And until, like you said, until there's that one guy that steps up and does it, I don't think anything is going to get solved. And I don't see that. I don't see that one manager becoming, you know, that guy to do it. You know what I mean? It's like, why would they, you know, cause they want to have the same advantage as other teams do. Maybe not the team they're playing, but you know, down the road, they're going to see that team too. You know, you know what I mean? And so I don't think anything's going to get solved anytime soon. I don't, I don't think so either. And, you know, they're talking about lowering the mound, moving the mound back six inches or so. And Good. let's keep changing the rules, by the way. Let's keep changing everything. X-rating rules, we'll do that. Move, move the mound back. Let's just change everything. You know, it's, <laughs> it's absurd. The, the common theme here, whether it's substances on balls or different scandals going around, you know, whether they're using electronics to cheat or whatever, the, the constant theme here is that Rob Manfred has no control <laughs> over anything that's going on in this league and the players don't respect him and they continue to show it day in and day out. I mean, you could really make a case like that. He might be the worst commissioner in the history of sports. You really could. Um, I haven't seen in my lifetime, a worse commissioner in any sport. And I love all sports. He's terrible. I, you, you never see anybody that hates somebody the way every player hates this guy. And rightfully so. He's terrible for the sport of baseball. Absolutely terrible for the sport. I think so, too. Like, we could go, we could do an entire show or an entire series of shows on the three batter minimum, the the, the guy on second base expanding the playoffs, which I think is the worst thing ever. Um, he's just terrible. And I think, fortunately... Doesn't his term end when the CBA comes up and then they have to I, – I ought to check on that. But I, I think he would be – he he's up for another vote or whatever. And he's got Theo Epstein kind of looming large. and I'm Breathing sh- down his neck, yeah. I'm sure would be a popular guy amongst the managers. So um, – so, Can well, we name one rule change that Manfred's done that anybody likes? <laughs> <laughs> is there one? <laughs> like, everything he's done has been terrible. Like, you can't even name one thing he's done to improve this sport. I can't think of one. I can't off the top of my head either. And I'm not even trying to sound like a, like a jerk, but I, you know, I try to defend pretty, I try to defend everybody. That's just, I try to. I'm not defending him. I just, you think after a few rule changes, like one, okay, the fans will be like, okay, I like that. There hasn't been one yet. Everyone hates every rule, every change he's made. Yeah. And if you think about every other sport, what other sports have made changes like this guy has? There's no other sport that does it. Well, actually, there there is one, and it's not quite a mainstream sport, but um, NASCAR has over the past couple of decades made change after change after change, especially the playoff format. And they literally fixed it until it broke. 
And so that's, I've said on the podcast before, like NASCAR was my first sport. I grew up in a racing family. Uh, baseball's been my number one for a long time. You know, I, I don't watch many, many races anymore. But, um, but having seen that, it, it haunts me as I watch the trends right now in baseball. So, um, hopefully, hopefully they just get Manfred out of there. You would think though, after every single one, there'd be just one. There'd be talk about saying, okay, that was good. That was a good idea. <laughs> it still hasn't happened yet. Yeah. So like, even in the the ones that we're t- talking about with the mound, the robot, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of the robot. umps, by the way, No. but moving either. the mound back, like, who thinks that any of these are good? I haven't talked to anybody that thinks any of these ideas are good. So it's like you're in a room with people and you're being advised, oh, these are great. Who thinks that? Right. It's mind-boggling. Yeah. The the playoff expansion one is the one that bothers me the most because it's just going to be so diluted, you know. I mean, Yeah, let's put everyone in. The seventh and eighth seeds, their, their, their own fan bases are going to know they don't have a chance. And exactly. And the players don't like it because the reason the players union cited it was because, well, if if eight games, I mean, excuse me, if eight teams on each side get into the playoffs, teams won't have to spend that much money. They're like, you know, why spend 300 plus for Mookie Betts when I'm just going to get in anyway? Well, so, it's the same thing with the Rays and why I said the Rays are killing baseball with the way the Rays do their business. Because every team's going to be like, well, we could be like the Rays. We could trade our best players and we'll still win some games. We're not going to win World Series, but we could be competitive. It's just terrible for the sport. You know, the free agents are getting their money. So, like, how is it good for – I always tell people, and I, I joke about it, but the Rays are so bad for baseball. That's my opinion. I mean, I know Rays fans are going to say, oh, it's, that's ridiculous. No, the Rays are terrible for the game of baseball. It's They're on the extreme end of, of that spectrum, and it's a flawed system. And they're probably they're going to be hard pressed to win a championship. But then you got the Yankees on the other end that aren't going to be able to buy one either. So there should probably be a floor, you know, that teams have to spend 100%. so much. Yeah, I mean, teams. I don't think a team should have to exceed the luxury tax to to win it to win one. But um, but they should, you know, if they're selling tickets. Well, the Rays aren't aren't selling tickets a lot but some of these other markets like the, the Indians are towards the bottom a lot usually and probably should be spending more money but but yeah we can get into that um you know on another show but i guess we'll wrap with this and if anything in regards to baseballs being confiscated if there's any uh, news that comes out about Gallegos, Gallegos, that's such a hard name to pronounce, uh, Trevor Bauer, any of those uh, situations, or maybe another player gets targeted, we'll uh, jump right on that and uh, dive right into it as always. I don't have next week's schedule up in front of me, so it'll be either a midweek or uh, a weekend show as far as the Bastards investigate. But the next Red Sox show will um, be Sunday, per the usual, if uh, if if the weekend doesn't get washed out. So we will uh, we'll be back with you then. Hope you enjoyed it. Take care. <laughs>